Scripture memory verse tonight, Proverbs 21, 16. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Proverbs 21, 16. Anybody else? Good job. Anybody else? Proverbs 21, 16. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. Proverbs 21, 16. Good job. King James Version. Anybody else? Well, let's look at it a little bit then. Man is Adam, and for the Hebrew, means a human being or a person. He was the first man. It's Adam. A man who wanders. Wandering can mean, it wandereth, King James. It can mean a lot of things. Uh, it can mean to go astray. It can mean to err. It can mean to stagger. It can mean to vacillate. It's used to, to vacillate, just like, ah, uh, you know, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, but I'm not going to do it. I think that we have to live with intentionality in following God. We have to be intentional in our sanctification. And I think this is part of, it's part of what we've been really in a, it's not really a, a series or a theme or anything, but what is going on with salvation? We are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. It's, it's something that's ongoing. You, 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 positionally, uh, we are saved by the blood of Jesus, and we have an inheritance. But practically, we, if we really are saved and we have that inheritance, we begin to enjoy it now by allowing the Holy Spirit to purify us, to sanctify us, to lead us into all truth. And now, when you look at this scripture, now, I don't, I got to be careful because some people will go, Craig, that's the Old Testament, and we're living in the New Testament. And they separate who God is, and they can't bring them together, but he's the unchanging God. And this Proverbs is, is something that's always true. You can't take and say, well, in the Old Testament, Proverbs was true, but now it's not true in the New Testament because now you've just made God into a changing God. So if this scripture was true when it was penned by Solomon in the Old Testament, in, you know, in Hebrew, a man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead, then it's still true today. Then it's still possible to wonder, to be seduced. That's the word I want to look at. Because wandereth means to be seduced. It means to be out of the way. In other words... You were in the way. You were living right. You were believing in God, whether you were underneath the system of the law that covered your sin, and you were following and blameless because of looking forward to the Messiah, or whether you're looking backward knowing that the Messiah came, you're in, you believe, you trust, and then you begin to wander away. Now listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I think it's the hardest thing in the world to lose your salvation. And, and white doesn't go to black overnight. It goes through many shades of gray. But the, the age-old question people will say is, well, well, they, they, did they ever have their salvation? You know what? It doesn't matter. If they go to hell, they go to hell. So the scripture still is clear that we need to be intentional in living for God and stay in the way, not be seduced by lies. Now, how is that done? It's by getting into the word, prayer, and fellowship, confessing your sin, being accountable to somebody in your life instead of just running around like the days of judges, doing what's right in your own eyes because there's no king. King Jesus wants us to be accountable. Part of fellowship, part of the word and prayer, everything, is that we are relational. We're supposed to be relational. It's a love relationship with God, and then it works itself out with people around us. And even our enemies, other people, we love them, we pray for them, and we have a desire 
for others to come to salvation. We have a desire to help disciple the people around us. And so I believe, again, intentional. And if you're not intentional about what you're doing, then you're vacillating. That's the way this word could have been done for wondering. You begin to vacillate. You begin to stray and you go, well, I've been saved. I said that prayer. I'm okay. And you start to stray away and say, it's okay to dabble here. It's okay to dabble there. It's okay to do this here. It's okay to sort my socks this one time. And then all of a sudden, you're like, what happened? I've, I've strayed. I've wandered completely away from the way of wisdom. And what happens? This is the seduction. You begin to believe the lies of the wicked one. You begin to be seduced and say, well, I don't have to do all of that to be saved. No, nope, but if you are saved, you will give, you'll want to do that. You're privileged to do that. You'll desire to do that. If you actually draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And then the sanctification process, the purifying process happens just naturally as you abide in the vine. You become like the vine and Christ is the vine. And so as you abide with him in fellowship, you'll want to abide in fellowship with others who are like-minded. And at the same time, your desires change, your ways change, your habits change. It doesn't mean that you won't stumble, you won't err, but you will not be seduced and led away where you have completely strayed from the way of understanding. Now this word is very important because it says understanding. It probably means uh, uh, in a sense, spiritual wisdom. Because it's used for the word wisdom also. Listen, I'll tell you, understanding is to be circumspect. Now listen, this is my intentionality here. It means to be circumspect. What does in circumspect mean? It means to walk exactly as you know how. As perfectly as you know how. And this is the way you don't stray. I'm in the way. I know where I'm going. I don't want to wander off the path. You know, because I will get lost. Now, I'm not telling you that you wander off the path and you're just like, oh my goodness, where am I going? No, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the Word of God. You have instruction. You have wisdom from growing. You're clean because of the Word that God has already spoken to us. But be careful when you begin to stray. When you cease listening to instruction, you will stray from the words of knowledge. Listen, listen to me. It's important that we're intentional about obeying what we know to obey. Because if you don't listen, then you begin to stray. And as you begin to stray, you don't know where the straying ends up at. Paul gave many over to Satan and, and gave them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Because that's what's going on right now. Is that in sanctification, God's changing our desires. He's changing our ways. He's changing what we do in our mind, will, and emotions. But if we ignore sanctifications, which is what many Christians do, I believe it's, it's, it's akin to discipleship. Because he says, the word disciple is not in Matthew 28, by the way. It's the word teach. Go and teach others the instruction of God. But we've turned it into go and make disciples. We're not making anything. We're teaching others how to live a godly life by following the way of understanding. And the way of understanding is a way of wisdom. That's the big word it is. It's circumspect. It, it means good success. Listen to this. It's used in Joshua 1.8. Are you guys familiar with this scripture? When, when, when Joshua, Hebrew for Yeshua, which is Jesus, is getting ready to take the helm from Moses, the law. Now think about that for a minute. Because the law kept them in line, and then there was another that came that actually brought them across the Jordan, brought them into the promised land. And here comes Joshua getting ready, and, he's, and God's telling him, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall... Oh, no, he says, be of good courage, be strong and courageous, be of good courage. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Then you shall be prosperous, then you shall be of good success. Good success is wisdom. Good success is the understanding here. When you meditate, listen to the instruction, and obey it. We're going to go to James in a minute, and we're going to really look at wisdom. We may not even get to our text in 2 Kings tonight because I really want to look at wisdom because they're contra contrasted 
in the New Testament in the book of James, which I think James has been called the Proverbs of the New Testament because of the wisdom that is in it. So listen to me. Listen to me. The man who wandereth from the way of wisdom. Spiritual wisdom. Whose wisdom? Anybody know 1 Corinthians? Jesus is the wisdom of God. If you wander from the way of wisdom. This word, listen, listen. This word used on the wrong side. Genesis. When Eve saw that it was good, the fruit was good to make one wise. Now it's used in the wrong way. Same word though, but it's used on the other side as earthly, central, demonic wisdom where the devil entices somebody to follow over here on this intelligence, on this wisdom, and it's it's out of the way. And when you go out of the way, what do you do? It brought forth death to everybody that was born of Adam. So if we don't understand the difference between earthly, central, demonic wisdom and godly wisdom... We can be following in the wrong way, being seduced out of the way, not walking circumspect to God, but walking circumspect to man, pleasing to man, following the culturality that has nothing to do with the spirit of God and the wisdom of God and the word of God that sanctifies and purifies the man of God. Listen to me. It's very important. Wait a minute. 1 Peter 1.22. Sorry. Let's see what 1 Peter 1.22 says. See if it goes with our text. Ooh. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. See, you can't obey the truth unless you have the Spirit of God. In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Listen, seeing then, since you have been purified, excuse me, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Are you being purified? See, this is the calling of sanctification. This is the calling of salvation. It's not just that you're purified and perfect and perfected positionally, but now as we live, we do it practically. And if we're not, then we're straying from the words of wisdom, straying from the words of understanding, or excuse me, the way of wisdom, the way of understanding. And what happens then, Greg? You will rest in the assembly of the dead. Actually, it's used also, um, this word. It's, it's interesting. It just amazes me. When you start to look w- at words and then how their usage is in the Bible and the things that they're doing. When uh, Joseph in uh, Genesis 48 Jacob's getting ready to die, and he blesses the children of, of, of Joseph and Israel. He blesses all of his children. And the birthright's supposed to go to the firstborn. And when Joseph brings his two boys, Ephraim and Manasseh, to his dad to bless them, he guides them the opposite way. He guides his secondborn to dad's right hand. And this word is actually the same word. In wisdom, he knew that the inheritance was supposed to go to the secondborn. And he guides him to the right hand of his father for the first blessing. And I'm like, what? This is amazing stuff when you think about it. Because if you're not being guided by the Holy Spirit to the right hand of God where Jesus is sitting, the way of understanding, and the Spirit's the only one that can do that, then you will wander out of the way. So we have to understand the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. And we're going to see when you look in the New Testament that the, listen, the word wisdom is Sophia. Where do we get, what do we get from that? Sophistication. That's the word we get. It's the intelligentsia that wants to make us think that their sophistication is the way we should go. We need to look like them. We need to act like them. We need to read their books. We need to to, 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 uh, believe in their art and their movies and what they're doing. And that's the way that's earthly, central, and demonic. It's promoting self and not promoting God. And it's so important that we understand this 
that we need to be lifting up God or we're wandering from the way of understanding. We're totally off the path if we're not. He said, if I be lifted up, Jesus did. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Not if each Christian be lifted up. Not if a person does great in the world and has money and a position and power and pomp, then people will know that he's living for Jesus. Has nothing to do with it. If it did, we would not have seen Jesus crucified. If it did, John the Baptist's head would not have been cut off. These men who were right there in the center of God's will, for the only reason they were born, were killed by the world and their wisdom. That's why it's so important that we understand this. That it's not about where you're at and what you're going through. It's about who you know and who is leading your life. And the way you find that in this sanctification process is by studying this word. By getting into prayer and fellowship and drawing near and being corrected and rebuked and exhorted. To be in the way of understanding, the way of wisdom. Or you will follow the same wise way that Eve did. And Adam allowed, and you think you're okay. They thought they were okay until they were put out of the garden. And God put them cherubim there and said, no, you can't come back in here no more until salvation. No more fellowship with God until the salvation of God, the provision of God. And God's not mad at us. God is actually, listen to me. He's providing ways. He's devising ways. He's doing everything to bring us back into fellowship with him. He gave us his most prized possession. It, it, it is understanding. It is the way. It is wisdom. He is incarnate. He came down so that we can go up. He became altogether like us so we can become like him. And then we say, all you have to do is say a prayer. Well, wait a minute. What about becoming like him? What about following him? Is there not to be any evidence that I'm really believing in him? Should we not want that? Think about it. Hey, hey, boss, where's my paycheck? Well, we ain't seen you at work in two months. Yeah, but I need a paycheck. I work there. Didn't you hire me? Well, we did about six months ago. Well, I need my paycheck then. Isn't it nonsense? <laughs> and at the end of our life, we're going to get a paycheck. And, and, and we do nothing about surrendering to God, allowing the Spirit of God to use our life for the glory of God. And we say we're covered in the blood, we're bought by the blood, we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we only do it on Sunday morning. That's why I've said for years about the charismatic gifts of people that, that go crazy on Sunday morning. If they did it at the copy machine on Monday morning, I might believe it more. But they only do it on Sunday morning in the aisles of the church. They only talk about Jesus on Sunday morning in the aisles of the church. If you do it at the copy machine, I might start to believe you're a Christian. If you do it in the face of persecution and, 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 and all kinds of things, I might begin to think you're a Christian. And you say, well, that, that's not fair because, man, I don't have to do anything to be saved. No, but the evidence of you being saved, Jesus said, epigenosco, you can tell a tree by the fruit that it bears, by the work that it does, by the energy it gives. And that's just the truth to the gospel. It's just a simple 101 gospel. I'm getting a little excited here. Now, did I say that? I, was, I didn't contradict that you can't have good success. But what is success measured by? I mean, success is not measured by material things. I know people have a hard time with that because a lot of people in the church would be like, yeah, but God wants us to be of good success and God wants us to have stuff and God wants us to prosper and God wants us to, and God wants us, and, and oh yeah. Hmm? Also, there's other scriptures that are like, do much suffering shall you enter the kingdom of God? You know? Like if you speak the truth in love, they might cut your head off like they did John the Baptist. I mean, there's so many other things other than God taking care of us. And, and we're constantly pointing out that all the patriarchs were richest men on the earth. Well, sure they were, because they knew Jesus. The world didn't give it to them. God did. God will provide for all of my needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But my needs are different than what Abraham's were. My needs today are different than what Solomon's were as the king of the whole planet. I mean, the needs are different. And so we act like, well, 
I'm going to go start a business and God's going to bless it. And, and, and then we're going, to, we're going to build that business just like with the business principles of the world. And God blessed it because I cheated and schemed and snuck around and lied. And, and God blessed it. I'm a success. I'm a Christian. You just broke every rule of being a Christian. Everything that God said not to do. And you're going to tell me that God's blessing your business and that's your evidence that you are serving God because your business made money? Hey, listen, all I can tell you is if you go work for somebody, every person, every person in America can be have more money the next year. That's not a principle of, of, of godliness. That's a principle of working. That's just a principle of working. I mean, come on. And then we look at it and go, well, they must be successful. They're dressing nice and they drive a nice car and they're in church. And it must be God blessing them. What if it's the devil cursing you? And keeping you so caught up in thinking that you're okay, but your heart's not changing at all on the inside. Think about that for a minute, because that's what's supposed to be happening, is the purification in here, the desires in here. Because when the big battle comes, are you going to be ready? When the real battle comes that says you either stand here or here for God or for the world, will you be ready in here to decide for God no matter what, because your desires have been changed? Your hope has been changed. Your citizenship has been changed. Your entire godliness has been changed because now you're no longer serving self. You're no longer serving money. You no longer care about the things of this world. Will you be ready to stand with God because it's coming soon to a city near you? You're going to have to make a decision whether you will stand, which is what we're supposed to be doing in sanctification. It's the word histomai. It means to abide, continue, and remain in the Word of God, in prayer, in fellowship with God so that He can change who we are. Believe me, they didn't just kill all the disciples because they had no money. They didn't kill all the disciples because they insulted them. They killed the disciples because they were witnesses given testimony of Jesus the Christ. And we don't, we don't see that going on now in our country, but we see it in other countries when they stand for Jesus. Where are you wandering at? Wandering at. Are you wandering around in the fields? Is it God's field? Where are you straying to in your mind, in your heart, in your life? Is your face set like Jesus did? He set his face like flint toward Jerusalem toward teaching peace, toward Jerusalem, where he knew he was called to go and die as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. We are called to be that same example, to go and die for sinners in the world so that they will see evidence of a true life that's been transformed by God. And a man who wanders from the way of understanding will... Does King James say shall? Or yeah. Remain in the congregation of the dead. Still Proverbs 21, 16. Shall. shall. Re remain is the word that's used in the King James. Rest. You know what I mean? Think about this for a minute. What do we say? Rest in peace? Rest in the assembly of the dead. Now it says remain in the King James, uh, but it means to dwell or to rest, to lay down. It means you don't come back out. Now, I believe that that's not instant. Now, again, listen to me. A person can mess up, but as long as you got breath, you can repent. But I also believe that there's a teaching out there that says, oh, as long as you're alive, you can repent. No, Pharaoh was alive and he couldn't repent because there was a time when God said okay I'm going to confirm your heart and you're going to stay in it you're going to remain you're going to rest in the, your sin nature and that's where you're going to be and I'm going to use you to show my good my power on the earth Pharaoh didn't have a chance once he just kept hardening his heart hardening his heart hardening his heart the children in the wilderness didn't have a chance once they kept hardening their heart remember they got to the Jordan called Kadesh Barnea a place of decision and they didn't go in and what happened 
God hardened our heart and he said, you're, nope, you can't go in now. You're staying in the wilderness for 40 years. It was actually 38 more years and nobody 20 or over is allowed to go in now. And he, and he started over. Listen to me, what's my point? We don't know when that strain becomes staying. That strain can become staying. That, that wandering can become your life and you never make it back and you remain and you rest in the assembly of the dead. I believe that we have to be intentional, intentional with a plan serving God, saying no to self and yes to God. Because if you don't listen to instruction, it's stupid, which is next week's memory verse. Brutish is the King James. It's Proverbs 12.1. We'll get to it in a minute. But listen to me. Are you straying? Are you in the way of wisdom? Listen, because a lot of people haven't front slid and they think they backslid. I do believe that backsliding is, is a possibility. Uh, I don't believe that you can backslide for very long because God chastises those he loves. God corrects his children. He gets them back in line. And if you're really his children, you'll get back in line. You don't want to rest in the assembly of the dead. Quickly. Let's look at... Um, Let's look at James. Let's look at chapter 1. I'm going to mess around and stick in this and not get to 2 Kings. James chapter 1. James, if you'll remember, was Jesus' half-brother because they had different fathers. James was nicknamed Camel Knees because he prayed so much because he didn't believe in his half-brother Jesus until after the resurrection. He mocked him in some ways, taunted him. Going up there, no one who's supposed to be, says in, I think it's John chapter 5 or something, 4, telling him to go up to the feast. And his brothers, they, it says they, they messed with him over it. They tried to come and get him, remember, with mom. And they said, your mom and your brothers are outside. And he said, who is my mother and my brothers but those who do the will of God? And then we'll say, oh, you don't have to obey. Wait a minute, those who do the will of God. Isn't that obedience? We purified our soul through obedience by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's the intentionality that we need to have when we hear instruction. Today is the day to obey. Right now is when we should obey. And we can't do it in the flesh. We have to say, Holy Spirit, I need some help here because my desire is to follow that way. And you're telling me I need to go that way. So you need to help me turn. You need to help me go this way and change my desires. You're the only one that can burn this out of me and bring me to the place that I need to be so that I can be the man of God, the woman of God, the child of God you call me to be. I like James. I might teach James here soon. I'm going to have to do some paraphrasing here. He says uh, in, in chapter 1, My brother, count it all joy when you face various trials, knowing that uh, testing of your faith uh, produces patience, and let patience have its perfect work in you that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Again, purified. Perfect and complete. Pure like Christ. Lacking nothing. But if you do lack wisdom to do that, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. And he gives it to you liberally and without reproach. See that? And then verse 6, but let him ask in faith. It has to all be done in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you first must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, every wind of doctrine. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now, many have tried to talk about double-mindedness, but double-mindedness is simply this. When you see God's way and you say, is there any other choices 
and you decide you want to choose something else and you stray. That's where straying begins. As soon as the Word of God says no, then you know the answer is no. As soon as it says thou shalt not, you know thou shalt not. If you do something else, that's being double-minded. Lord, I need wisdom in this. Should I stay or should I go? Go. I think I'll stay. That's double-mindedness. That's not the mind of Christ. Christ obeyed God all the time. Whatever God said. Whatever the Father said. But double-mindedness is in, I do what I like about the Scriptures. I do what I like about the Spirit. I do what I like about the Gospel. Single-mindedness, the mind of Christ is, I obey instruction. I don't stray or wander from the way of wisdom. And I say, Lord, I need strength because I don't want to go that way. And what it does is it doesn't purify you. It doesn't sanctify you. It makes you confused. It brings a heart that, that says, I don't know whether I want to obey God today or not. I don't know whether that's God's voice or not, or this is God's voice, because I've double-minded myself so much instead of just listening to the Word of God. And then you become unstable in all your ways, just like the wave of the tossed to and fro by the wind. You're like, man, you know what? I think God really is a nice, loving God, and maybe he's winking at sin now. Maybe he's letting this happen now, and maybe really he, and, and you begin to become double-minded and listen to the world. Let's jump over to 112. See, because there's always that temptation. It's a testing. It's a putting to proof. Am I going to listen to God? Am I going to let him purify me by changing my, my mind, will, and emotion? Changing my desires? Walking in his way? Blessed is the man who endures. You abide under. You go through temptation of putting the truth, a trying. For when he has been approved, accepted, when he's made it through that, he will receive, you could even say sanctified, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. If you love me, keep my commandments. Let no one say, because this is what we say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Listen to me. God's not tempting you with evil. He might allow the devil to do it. The devil is his. He might allow the devil to do what? Look, here's the next verse. Next verse. But each one, that's us, right? That's every person on the planet, is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now, how's he drawn away? When the devil throws a trap stick out there, when the devil throws something out there because he knows you like it. And he's tempting you. When you just drive by and you see it and you're tempted, you're enticed. It's not God doing it. It's just a way of life. But listen to me. Listen to me. Sanctification is the changing of your desires, changing of the things that entice you. It's truth. It's wisdom of those things that the devil is using to destroy you. And when you endure those, when you learn those and you go through those, you grow in those. It doesn't mean that you don't ever stumble. Right? Righteous men fall seven times, but a fool falls by calamity. And that's poetic for the righteous man keeps falling and getting back up. I messed up, Lord, but I am not going to get it this time. I'm letting you change my desires. You're sanctifying me, Lord. I'm going to be led by your spirit. It's not an excuse to sin, but it's a mindset of I'm being changed. I'm not just laying in it because what happens when you lay in it? You're going to be the desires, you're enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth. It has life to it. It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Wander from the way of wisdom. Where do you stay? Where will you remain? Where will you rest? Dead. See, we were going in one direction, and repentance means you turn and go in the other direction. And now we're going towards life. The first Adam gives us death, an inheritance of death. The second Adam gives us life. 
We followed our own desires and our everything all of our life. But then we say we come to God and we're still following what we want to do. We're still following death. We have to wake up and say, wait a minute. I'm wondering from what God is doing. Have I ever started following him? Because I got to get into the word prayer and fellowship to find out who he is. I got to ask the Holy Spirit to lead me out of this darkness into this marvelous light. So I can be a witness. I can proclaim the praises of him who called me out. But I got to get started on this. If not, right when I said that, oh, I believe in Jesus, I began to wonder and stray from understanding. Because I still am listening to the world. Still listening to earthly, central, demonic wisdom. And it's always going to end in death. Physical death, spiritual death, eternal death, the three deaths. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. He says in 16, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Jesus is good and perfect. And that's the direction we're supposed to be moving in in our sanctification. And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I'm going to move on. Let's look at chapter 3. Chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 13. I'm just kind of give you an overview of this. I'm sorry. Old Cam on these probably wouldn't be happy, but we need to see what wisdom is. Look. who wonders from the way of understanding the way of wisdom will remain in the assembly of the dead who is wise in understanding among you I don't know been asking God for wisdom remember in the first chapter he said if you lack wisdom ask let him show there's evidence here we're going to see it we're going to see evidence by good conduct that his works his ergon are done in the meekness of wisdom. There it is. There it is again. See, if we're wise in understanding, it's going to be evidenced by what we're doing with our work. James has said, faith without works is dead faith. It's not real faith. So if all of our works are still for self, or they're still out there to go live in the world, they're still for the physical, tangible, carnival death, then we know that our works are still based upon death. Right? It's not for God. But then if our works begin to be moved forward uh, because of asking God for wisdom and understanding and it's done in meekness, we know it's from God. The evidence can be seen. The tree, the fruit is clear. I never look at an apple tree and go, man, I wonder where, who, who planted that orange tree. You just don't. I mean, it's just common understanding. It's wisdom. That we know what, an, everybody knows what an apple tree is, right? There's a whole bunch of different varieties. Just yeah, like there's a whole bunch of different Christians. Yeah. <laughs> but you never look at, nobody ever looks at an apple tree and go, wonder who planted them oranges. <laughs> you know a tree by its fruit. Jesus is very clear on this. Very, very clear on this. And we should be able to tell by our works, by what we're living for, what we're doing, how our life is changing. And then he says this. Here's a contrast. Verse 14, chapter 3, James. But if you have bitter envy, envious, jealous, you're bitter. That's what motives, That's what's motivating you. Not the spirit of God, but just being bitter. A root of bitterness will defile many. What, what, what's the tree roots of your life? Why are you working? Why are you doing what you do? Who are you mad at? These are things that we have to look at and examine our hearts. Where's it at? Oh, bitter envy and self-seeking. Where's it at? In your heart. That's where it grows at. In your heart. You're seeking for self. I'm bitter because they got it and I don't. And I'm seeking it for me and it's in my heart. This is the stuff that has to die. Because it's the wrong motivation. 
The right motivation is meekness and wisdom because we're looking to do God's will. He'll provide for our needs. I'm working on a message for Sunday, and, and in that message, it really has to be understood that because most people will say, well, God hasn't done that for me. Well, you have, to, you have to trust by faith. Faith you cannot see. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. So what you do is you start doing it, and then there'll be evidence that you've been doing it. There'll be substance there. But you'll never see it until you start doing it. Just like the Word of God. You get into the Word of God, and you stay in the Word of God. You keep drawing near to God. He will open up the Word of God to you. He'll pour out His Spirit upon you. He'll make His Word known to you. But it's by faith that you're going to trust that that's true. And I'm telling you, it's true. But those that are faithless never do because they don't have faith. They don't really believe God. But there's an evidence there because if you're not in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship, that means you don't trust that God's Word's going to do that for you and give you a foundation and a hope in the future and change your desires and sanctify you and purify you like it promises to do. It promises that. So what do we do? We stay in the world. We stay watching their TV shows, reading their books, and following their music, and everything that they're doing, and guess what it does? Exactly what the Word of God says it will do. It changes your heart to, toward it, to make you more like the devil, more like the liar, more like the death culture, more like the place of death that looks like a cemetery where you're resting at. Because what you put in there is what you're creating. And if it's, if it's life... And this is life right here. This is life. Life is a person. Truth is a person. The way is a person. Wisdom is a person. All of these things are Christ. And if you spend time with him, he'll change your heart to be like him, to desire the things that he desires, to, to pursue what he pursues, to be intentional about the ministry of reconciliation of souls, just like he was intentional. And he came down and he laid down and he, he was not seeking his own. He was seeking the Father's will. But many are bitter and envious because of the devil lying to them and they're self-seeking. They have that in their heart and they don't boast, or excuse me, and they lie and boast against truth with those very works. They're lying and boasting against the truth. And truth is a person once again. And it's obvious when you look at that tree, when you look at their fruit, when you look at their works, that they're lying and boasting against Jesus, against wisdom, against truth. And they've wandered from the way of the word, the way of understanding, the way of wisdom, the way of God. Look what he says in 15. This wisdom, this Sophia, this sophistication, this intelligence does not descend from above didn't come from God, but it's earthly, sensual. That's the word that we get psychology out of, psyche out of. It's sensual, it's psychic, it's demonic, devilish is King James. For James 3, 15, it's devilish. When you're bitter and envious and self-seeking and you only want to take care of yourself. And those, again, by faith, you have to stop. You have to, you have to order your steps to right. You have to beat your flesh into subjection, Paul says. And you don't do it with, with, with boxing at the air, Paul says. He says, do it with intentionality. You're beating your flesh to death. You're putting it in the grave. You're saying, self, you are not going to be first. I'm going to put Jesus first. And I'm going to put his instruction first. I'm going to put his wisdom first. I'm going to put souls first. You have to be intentional. If not, it'll be a fake faith. If not, the works will not be for God. I can't be more, any more emphatic. All of us have to do this together. Not before salvation, but because of salvation. Because we have salvation. But God is, the only way God is testing your faith is, is to, he, sometimes, listen, listen. Sometimes God is silent in your life. It's like whoosh, tumbleweeds. I'm in the wilderness. And he wants you to follow what you already know. He's, that's, that's the way he tries you and tests you. He's not tempting you to do evil. He's showing you your heart. 
as in Deuteronomy again. It's 8-2. These 40 years you're in the wilderness to test you and to try you so that you might know your own heart to see whether you would live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Or actually Jesus uses it, but man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So he shows you your heart. He already knows your heart. He already knows my heart, but he wants you to see your heart and say, where am I at on this purification? Where am I at on this sanctification? How am I doing on this following you? And then he allows these times of silence. He allows suffering. He allows sickness. He allows pain. He allows all kinds of things to come into your life to see if you'll keep believing and following him. And it's not to, it's not to kill you. It's not to kick you out of heaven. It, it, it's, it's only to show you where you're at. So you can say, wow, Lord, I really blew that. Wow, Lord, thanks for carrying me through that. Wow, Lord, I need help to get through this. It's so you'll turn your face toward him and continue to understand that he's the only place your help comes from. No other, nobody else is going to help you. Nobody. There's nobody going to help us. Listen, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Now look, for verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And that's all from the devil, every evil thing. 17, but the wisdom, the Sophia, the intelligence, the understanding and knowledge that is from above, Jesus, you could say, because he's the wisdom of God, is first pure. Now listen to me, because when you talk about that, then this is where we're supposed to be going to, purification. He made us that positionally, but practically we're supposed to be doing it. It's first pure, then it's peaceable. He gave us peace with God. Now he's trying to teach us how to be peaceable. Gentle. Willing to yield. That's giving yourself away. That's okay. I don't have to be right here. This is not salvatory. I'm okay with going walking away. Willing to yield. It's funny how yield is also crops growing, fruit growing. And see, sometimes when you die to self, much fruit can be grown. But we think, no, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm a man. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm a Christian. I'm an American. But see, when you yield and die to self, much fruit can be grown there and death to self. How much was grown when Christ died to self? What's the yield? It's every person that believes can now have the right to become children of God. We're supposed to be bearing fruit, yield, full of mercy. You know what mercy is, right? The layman's term. Not giving people what they deserve. God, in mercy, saved us through grace. He didn't give us what we deserve. He came up with grace, which is getting what you don't deserve. He gave us grace even though we didn't deserve it. Divine favor, even though we didn't deserve it. So we're supposed to give other people mercy, even though they don't deserve it. And good fruits, without partiality, it's to everyone, without hypocrisy. See, I mean, it's funny, we was at work today, and, I, and David always thinks I'm crazy, <laughs> the guy I work with. And uh, yeah, I know, I already know. <laughs> And it's fun. It's a good practical way to have fun and take some of the intensity down. But he's like, I know how to deal with you. I'm going to act crazy like you. So he's doing all this stuff that's real crazy. I go, David, it's not natural. It's obviously it's hypocrisy. You're not really crazy. I am really crazy. So it's obviously you're faking it. He's like, okay, I quit. Then. So, I mean, <laughs> I said, you can't fake this. I am crazy. Anyway. And that's why you can't fake love. You can't fake mercy. You can't fake this. You can't fake the wisdom of God. You can't fake the fruit of God. You can't fake a desire to be after the things of God. You cannot fake it. It has to be real in the spirit. And people know fake when they see it. <clears throat> fake. Oh. What was it today? I heard this years ago. Oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. 
I can't get the word out. I know the entire text, but I can't get the word out of my brain. Um, sincere. Is that sincere? I think I heard a, a preacher preaching on it today. I heard it years ago from uh, other teachers. I think it's the word sincere. You can't fake sincerity. You can, you can pretend it, but they used to say, is that sincere, I think is what they'd say. And what it is is that they would make these busk and they'd make these clay pieces and they'd make all these things. And then when they'd fire them or they'd get, and then they'd break or they'd get something done to them, they'd take wax and repair them with wax. So you'd go into the marketplace and they would look sincerely nice and you would give sincere money for them, but you take them home and you set them in the sun and the sun, the hot sun would melt the wax and then you'd go, ah, it was broken the whole time. And it was held together by wax. And so that's why God allows suffering. That's why he brings fire. He wants it to be held together with sincerity. He wants it to be held together not with hypocrisy, but with real love, with real fruit, with the Spirit of God, because it's sanct you're sanctified. It's really your desire. You recognize that you're a wretch and you don't deserve anything. And wow, God is allowing me and privileging me and giving me mercy and grace so that I can be involved with the ministry of salvation of souls. And nobody does it perfectly, but it's the direction we're moving. It's the place we need to be bowing to and not pretending it needs to be in meekness and wisdom if not we could be wondering from the way of wisdom the way of understanding and we could be in danger of resting in the assembly of the dead listen listen there's lots of false conversion there's seduction there's culturality the, the spirit of antichrist has went out to deceive the elect if it were possible and we need to test ourselves to see if we're in the faith to see if we're even at it. Oh, you get, well, how are we going to do that? Put yourself in the heat. See if there's wax in your life and not real Christianity. It's okay. The Spirit of God, if you're being led by the Spirit of God, you can do the work of God. You can ask for the wisdom of God. You can be the man of God or the woman of God and get into the Word of God because the Spirit is already trying to do that in your life. The Spirit is trying to wash you and cleanse you. God has died so that you could be washed and cleansed, so that you could be a trophy of grace and set up in His house. But we have to get started. And you have to endure and stay in it, even when you go, man, it's like nothing's working for me. It's like tumbleweeds, and it's dry, and it's desert. Listen, truth is still truth, no matter how it feels. They cut John the Baptist's head off. He didn't go... I don't believe that no more. Get that sword and put it up. It's okay. He didn't change his mind because he knew where his help come from. He knew where his hope was and his heart was with God. And listen, it's coming. And if we're not being sanctified and purified and we don't know where our hope, heart, and home is, then we might just wander away and be in the assembly of dead dead not dead to self but just dead in our nature because we've ignored the blood of God the truth of God the word of God the instruction of God and we stray and we've been seduced by the antichrist spirit because it feels good to the flesh but the truth is is when that pain and suffering and all that fire is getting turned up it's melting the wax away it's melting away all the pretense and it's bringing everything down to its finite matter of what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be like Christ, led by the spirit of truth. And we're supposed to be concerned about souls. And we wander. We're not supposed to be wandering or wondering. We should know that's why Christ died for us. Are you wandering around? Or do you know your gifts, your talents, your abilities? Are you wandering around? Are you asking the Holy Spirit to lead you with, 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 with intentionality? See, I want to use the word purpose, but Rick Warren, the heretic, has forever ruined that word. The heretic ruined that word. Did I say heretic? Intentionality. We want the Spirit to lead us. He's supposed to be teaching us, guiding us. 
And when we turn at God's rebuke, he'll pour his spirit out upon us and he'll make his words known to us. And then we can begin to get wisdom and go with wisdom and be led by the spirit of truth and be purified and sanctified. And we will stand. When you do that, you will stand. Oh, we all fall short. Don't don't worry. Peter, Peter, he's off. I'll cut their ears off. I'll kill them all. And he said, oh, Peter, Peter, Satan has asked for you. He wants to sift you. And when you return, he told him he was leaving. He said, when you return to the brothers, you're going to be wandering off. When you return to the brothers, strengthen them. Strengthen the brother. And he said, because before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. See, God wanted us to know his, our own hearts. He wanted Peter to know his heart. And Peter was too proud to bow down and say, okay, show me my heart. But you know what? When he came back, he gets to preach that first sermon, Acts chapter 2. 3,000 souls get saved because it was all about, no, no, you're not going to do that to me again. I'm standing. I'm standing. I'm trusting the Lord. I believe. I've seen the resurrected Lord. I've seen the evidence that he was who he said he was. And I believe his truth. And see, the works were done in meekness of wisdom now. Did he mess up ever? Yes. He had to be rebuked by Paul. Did he mess up ever? Yes. But God was changing his life. Is he changing your life? Are you going through the pages of scriptures or are you wandering from the way of wisdom, the way of understanding, the way of knowledge, the way of truth are you tempted to listen to the world and its plan its babble that's all it is, that's all it's ever been is babble and confusion they can't even line up two thoughts together but we call them sophisticated we call them intelligent and guess what when you start with a lie you're going to end with a lie and that's where the world starts at, is with a lie. They're still in the first Adam. And Christians are supposed to be living according to the second Adam, Jesus the Christ. Who gives life, and that more abundantly. Anybody else want to try the scripture? Proverbs 21, 16. Proverbs 21, Where is it? Proverbs 21. Good yeah, job. Right. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Next week, Proverbs 12. One. I we're usually gonna, forget to quote the reference the second time. Too. We're going to stay in Proverbs. If you read through the Proverbs daily, this is tomorrow's proverb. Uh, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. Brutish is the King James. And, you know, just clearly as you look at it, I go, what? And this is the way my brain goes. Look, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, right? But he who hates correction. Does that mean instruction with knowledge is correction? God gives us instruction with his knowledge that corrects our soul. And if we hate it, we're stupid. See, because everything that we're doing, we're being purified. So that takes correction. Remember 623 of Proverbs, reproofs of correction are the way of life. And I believe we're always going to be corrected. We're never going to be perfect practically until we see him face to face. Positionally, I'm perfect. Positionally, I'm holy. Everything. But practically, I'm learning. I'm being sanctified and set apart. So we have to go through this. Oh, I want to hear correction. I want to hear instruction. I want to hear knowledge. My ways are wrong. My desires are wrong. I'm going to mess it up. I have bitter envy and self-seeking, and I need to die and receive his correction. And his correction is with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And it cuts away, cuts away the flesh, and it adds to the Spirit as we spend time with him. So put that on paper, write it down, memorize it, however you do it. Be ready to be able to see it come out of your mouth and quote it. Um, I don't know what I think about that word stupid. I, 
was listening to somebody this week, and I know I use it often, but I was listening to him use it on a sermon, and he used it so many times, I thought, man, maybe we should quit using that word stupid because it just doesn't sound that good to just call everybody stupid. Call them brutish, it sounds a little bit better. My wife's over here going, thank you, Lord. She's been praying for that forever, that I quit calling people knuckleheads and stupid. Anyway. Proverbs 12, 1. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we do want to be able to receive your instruction, your knowledge, that we would be corrected, as your word uh, tells us, that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped ready for every good work. And Lord, it's your work that we want to do in wisdom and understanding. We want to do it in meekness and wisdom. We want to do it according to the wisdom that has come down from heaven, not according to the earthly, central, demonic wisdom that feeds the flesh and promotes the man. We want to lift up your son, Jesus. So help us to memorize your scripture. Help us to be uh, those who do and not here only deceiving ourselves. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In James 3.16.